0: Today I want to share what are the differences between Diagnostic and Dialogic OD. We'll discuss the history of both approaches, a little bit of the underlying philosophy that informs each approach, and we'll discuss key tools that enable each method's work. We'll also discuss how each OD method approaches problem solving, and finally we'll discuss the pros and cons of each form. Then we'll discuss why there's a need to use both Diagnostic and Dialogic OD, including their potential to integrate to complement the best of what each approach offers. Last, we'll discuss how integrating both OD approaches actually form a more powerful, accretive problem-solving methodology than working with either method alone. So if you're ready, let's begin. Welcome to another episode of All Things OD, where I'm here to help you offer more, be more, and live more, whether you're serving as an OD practitioner, change management professional, or business transformation consultant. I'm your host, Randall Scott, and I'm excited to be with you today. As mentioned, in today's episode, we're going to discuss what are the differences between Diagnostic and Dialogic OD. We're going to discuss why there's a need for utilizing both Diagnostic and Dialogic OD. And lastly, we'll talk about how integrating both OD approaches actually form a more powerful problem-solving methodology. Now, before we begin today, I want to offer you a free resource that complements our discussion today, and that is a free copy of our ebook on hybrid OD: The Emerging Future of Organization Development. If you have ever been curious about the integrative power of leveraging both diagnostic and dialogic forms of OD in your work, or simply interested in getting a glimpse of the future of OD, then this ebook is for you. You can obtain a free copy at slash hybrid OD, or if you're watching on YouTube, you can simply click on the link in the description below. All right, so I thought we could start off by defining what is Diagnostic Organization Development or Diagnostic OD. Perhaps a good place to start is to define the terms that make up the phrase Diagnostic OD. So what does diagnostic mean? Well, diagnostic means to identify, distinguish, and or otherwise characterize something. Organization development is the study and implementation of practices, systems, and techniques that affect organizational change, the goal of which is to modify an organization's performance and or culture. And so the definition that we'll use for our purposes today is that diagnostic OD is the study of an organization's performance and or culture to identify, distinguish, and or otherwise characterize certain practices, systems, and techniques to affect change and improve performance. All right, with a definition of what diagnostic OD is, let's go ahead and learn a little bit more about the history of diagnostic OD. So diagnostic OD originated during the time period of the 1940s to the 1960s and is the dominant form of OD practice today. Kurt Lewin is widely regarded as the founder of organization development and is famous for his unfreeze, change, refreeze, change model, the action research method to conducting research, and the group dynamics approach to study real-world social issues. Diagnostic OD is often characterized or framed as planned change, where change itself is thought of and executed in a rational, linear process and where it is believed that reality can be objectively derived by the OD practitioner. As a planned change effort, such efforts typically originate top-down and are largely expert or practitioner-driven. That is, the diagnostic OD work largely pivots around the efforts of the OD practitioner. And lastly, diagnostic OD principally focuses on trying to change the behaviors of people versus changing mindsets to bring forth Desired change. All right, the underlying philosophy of Diagnostic OD is that it serves or reflects a doctor patient model where the OD practitioner is the doctor and the organization is the patient. This reflects more of a machine age type of orientation where the organization is somehow broken and needs to be fixed. Another element of the underlying philosophy of Diagnostic OD is that reality can be objectively derived by an expert practitioner through observation or analysis. And lastly, with this form of OD work, the role of the OD practitioner is to serve as an expert to help the organization achieve its goals. Now, there are a number of tools that the OD practitioner has at their disposal to help them diagnose the current state of the organization. Some of the leading tools include doing data collection and document harvesting, perhaps conducting action research studies, perhaps conducting benchmarking studies. Also, distributing and collecting survey feedback is very common when doing diagnostic OD work. Perhaps there's a need to conduct a SWOT analysis or a steep analysis. And then there are the common tools of conducting focus group studies or conducting certain types of assessments. So these are the general type of tools that you would see when performing any type of diagnostic OD work. All right, so what is the problem-solving approach when performing diagnostic OD work? There is a basic pattern that we see when trying to solve organizational challenges. The first step of the approach is just to simply clarify the problem, the challenge, and or the presenting issue. Then we scope the effort in terms of the system boundaries that encompass the problem or challenge. Then we start to gather facts, collect the data. We do this using the tools that we talked about on the prior slide. So we may conduct staff interviews, conduct surveys, conduct focus groups, do some document harvesting or data harvesting. Perhaps we need to conduct some internal or external assessments of some type. Once we've completed this step, we then perform a diagnosis. We do a systems analysis of the area that's in question. And we do this relative to a known ideal or standard. Then, once we've completed our diagnosis, we prepare a key findings report and share with leadership the gaps between the current state and the ideal, with a proposed list of interventions to close the gaps. Then we develop a transformational roadmap, which includes a change management plan highlighting the sequence of interventions to improve performance. And lastly, we implement the approved recommendations and evaluate the efficacy of the interventions to effectively solve the problem. All right, with having defined the process of Diagnostic OD, let's go ahead and talk a little bit about the pros and cons. So a pro of using Diagnostic OD is that it's a data-based approach to identifying opportunities for improving a system. And this is a good thing because having data often justifies a particular approach or intervention that we're wanting to take. Diagnostic OD is also a well-established field of practice that's grounded in academic theory and rigor, and has several thousand practitioners worldwide skilled in use of the method. And as a well-established practice, leadership is more familiar with diagnostic OD and therefore more accepting of this change approach. And lastly, diagnostic OD does catalyze change in a system, even if only temporary. Now, some of the cons of diagnostic OD is that, as a method, it's ill-suited today to address the contemporary challenges of both increased complexity and growing uncertainty, and the effects of both on organizational performance. Also, oftentimes when we use diagnostic OD, it leads to greater resistance from both leadership and staff due to a lack of properly engaging staff in both defining the problem and how best to solve it. And therefore, the long term sustainability of the change or the stickiness of the solution suffers. And lastly, and maybe most importantly, cognitive bias can and does skew diagnostic findings. And the reason for this is that OD practitioners, like all practitioners, introduce bias into their work. Hence, it's almost impossible to be fully objective when conducting diagnostic OD work and presenting findings. What makes matters worse is that practitioners are often unaware of their biases, which further compounds the problem. All right, with having to find the history, the underlying philosophy, the tools, the problem-solving approach, and the pros and cons of diagnostic OD, Let's go ahead and shift gears and talk a little bit now about dialogic OD. So we'll begin with defining the terms that make up the phrase dialogic OD. The term dialogic means of, or relating to, or characterized by dialogue, of engaging in dialogue. The definition of organization development is what we looked at earlier, which is the study and implementation of practices, systems, and techniques that affect organizational change, the goal of which is to modify an organization's performance and or culture. And so when you bring these two terms together, it forms dialogic OD, which for our purposes we define as the study of an organization's performance and or culture through dialogic means to identify, distinguish, and or otherwise characterize certain practices, systems, and techniques to affect change and improve performance. So the difference between this definition and the definition for diagnostic OD is quite subtle but very impactful. The difference being is that with dialogic OD we seek to improve an organization's performance through dialogic means as opposed to through diagnostic means. This subtle but very powerful difference will become more apparent to you as we go. All right, with having defined what dialogic OD is, let's go ahead and discuss its history. So, in contrast to diagnostic OD, dialogic OD reflects more of an emergent, nonlinear process of change whereby reality and therefore change itself is viewed as socially constructed, moment to moment, interaction to interaction, and person to person. As such, dialogic OD focuses indirectly on changing mindsets of people as opposed to trying to change behaviors to bring forth the desired change. Dialogic OD can trace its beginnings to the 1980s with the emergence of dialogic-based methods like open space technology and appreciative inquiry to catalyze change. That said, it can be argued that the dialogic form has actually been around for thousands of years as dialogue and the use of ancient circle-gathering and tribal communication practices have been used for several millennia. Now, in addition to appreciative inquiry and open space triggering the rise of dialogic OD, there are other notable contributing factors. The first of which is increased awareness or rise of the dialogic method itself due to publication of several influential books on dialogue. Books such as On Dialogue by David Bohm, Dialogue in the Art of Thinking Together by William Isaacs, Dialogue Rediscover the Transforming Power of Conversation by Eleanor and Gerard, and lastly The Magic of Dialogue by Yankovic. There's also been an increased willingness of organizations to address, consider, and acknowledge the softer side of organizational life, as more of an indirect way to bring about change. Another contributing factor is the proliferation of several additional inquiry or participatory-based change methods, such as the World Cafe, the Circle Method, Future Search, and the Conference Model, just to name a few. I'd recommend that you read The Change Handbook by Peggy Holman that outlines several dozen different methods. And last, there's been an elevated consciousness of humanity generally, really an opening up to wanting and being more authentic. A steady melding of the heart, head, and hands has occurred in both our personal and professional lives. The underlying philosophy of dialogic OD is that reality is socially constructed through interactions, as we talked about earlier, moment to moment and person to person, and that deriving objective reality is not possible due to several cognitive biases of the observer, in this case, the OD practitioner. And the role of the OD practitioner when performing dialogic OD work is to serve more as a convener, a host, a facilitator of change efforts. Now, in stark contrast to the diagnostic OD method, when performing dialogic OD work, our tools are of a different variety. With dialogic OD, we're leveraging narrative and story harvesting, which is participatory narrative inquiry. We're doing container building and creating the conditions for change to occur. We're leveraging different dialogic methods like open space, the World Cafe, and Circle method. We're designing innovation sequences, a.k.a. generative change events. We're making heavy use of generative dialogue and storytelling as part of our change efforts. We're leveraging active listening practices or deep listening practices along with strategic questioning. We're performing inner work to raise our self-awareness of our thinking, to understand our limiting beliefs, and to understand our cognitive biases. We're leveraging team agreements so that teams can talk in a vulnerable way to drive change. We're leveraging the tools of large group facilitation and hosting. And lastly, we're performing leadership, team, and individual coaching. So when you compare this list of tools to diagnostic OD, they are quite different. And with a different set of tools comes really a different problem-solving approach. The pattern that we see when leveraging dialogic OD to solve organizational challenges includes the following. Step one is to clarify the adaptive challenge, problem, or opportunity. Dialogic OD, more than diagnostic OD, is attuned to solving a different class of challenges. Challenges that we refer to as adaptive challenges as opposed to technical challenges. Technical challenges are complicated challenges that can be resolved through diagnostic means. But adaptive challenges are of a different variety. There are complex challenges that require more of a dialogic OD approach to solving the problem. After we clarify the adaptive challenge, we scope the effort in terms of system boundaries. This is the same as the diagnostic approach. But then we depart from the diagnostic approach where we identify the system actors or the key stakeholders who can speak both to the issues and how best to resolve them. So unlike with the diagnostic approach, we're relying more on the expert to perform the work and provide insights. With the dialogic approach, we're relying more on the system actors, the key stakeholders that comprise the process and therefore those who can speak best to the issues, challenges and problems that are occurring in the system. Once we've identified the system actors, we then bring the system into the room, so to speak, for a dialogue. We do this via a structured inquiry-based or participatory type of event with the goal of creating a shared understanding of the issues amongst the system actors and later a shared intention on how best to resolve those issues. Then we identify strategic options aka the high leverage interventions, and then self-organize in a follow the energy way to bring forth the new. And lastly, we implement change via introducing probes or small-scale safe-to-fail experiments conducted as either one-off exercises or maybe as part of a longer-term process and or platform. So this represents more of a learning-by-doing type of approach. So similar to the toolkit, the basic dialogic OD pattern to solve organizational challenges is also quite different from the diagnostic approach. Next, let's discuss the pros and cons of the dialogic OD approach. So one of the pros with dialogic OD is that it approaches problem solving at a structural level, both internal and external structure, by attempting to create the conditions to increase self-awareness and alter mindsets to catalyze new behaviors and better outcomes. Another pro of Dialogic OD is that it exposes mental models, assumptions, values, beliefs, and cognitive biases for challenge, for self-reflection, and hopefully for possible revision. There's also a strong emphasis on collecting and sharing narratives, stories, and perspectives to create that shared understanding of the adaptive issue and challenge among system actors. And in creating a shared understanding, it leads naturally to establishing a shared intention of what to do to resolve the issue and challenge and later aligned actions of how to do it. Now, some of the cons of dialogic OD is that because it is a relatively new approach or variant of organization development practices, there's a lack of expertise and skill amongst OD practitioners generally in facilitating and leading dialogic work. To say it differently, there's a limited ability of OD practitioners to negotiate a collective leadership amongst several diverse others to solve complex adaptive challenges. Another con of dialogic OD is that there's a general perception amongst business leaders that dialogic work is soft, weak, or otherwise not real work, and therefore a waste of time. That to engage in such activity introduces needless delay to performing, quote-unquote, the real work. And lastly, dialogic OD is more demanding work. It does require greater skill of the OD practitioner from convening the right team to later designing a dialogic event to creating an effective container with the right conditions to ultimately educating and rallying leadership support to nurture and amplify self-organized initiatives. All right, with having defined the history, the underlying philosophy, the tools, the problem-solving approach, and the pros and cons of both diagnostic and dialogic OD, We're going to shift gears here a bit and talk about the case for integrating both diagnostic and dialogic OD. So as it turns out, there are numerous different reasons for why we may want to integrate diagnostic and dialogic OD together to solve our organizational challenges. The first reason or case for integrating diagnostic and dialogic OD is that we are operating in tuna-like conditions today, conditions that are turbulent, uncertain, where there's an element of novelty or newness. And, ambiguity. and in this type of environment, or with these type of conditions, we need a method and a set of tools that are suited for the times. Sadly, diagnostic OD on its own has outlived its usefulness, as organizations are too complex for any one person or expert to understand the significant and often hidden cause-and-effect linkages to be effective with introducing diagnostic-driven interventions alone. Organizations need a better way to approach systemic-level change that is more inquiry or conversation-based, that's experiential-based, emergence-oriented-based, that's foresight-driven, and that is more holistic and inclusive of all the parts that comprise the whole. Another case for integrating diagnostic and dialogic OD is to address the cons that are inherent with leveraging either method alone in isolation. There's a need for diagnostic work to expose difference, and there's a need for dialogic work to leverage difference. Both methods, as it turns out, are necessary to create a shared understanding, a shared intention, and aligned actions amongst diverse others when solving for a complex adaptive challenge. Another reason we may want to integrate diagnostic and dialogic OD is that there's an ever-increasing number of interconnections and interdependencies that exist between nations, organizations, teams, and individuals. And with greater connections, greater dependencies, comes greater complexity and turbulence. Two conditions that an integrated OD approach is actually uniquely suited to address. Yet another reason for integrating diagnostic and dialogic OD is that there's a growing awareness that the inner and outer dimensions are connected. Hence, it's not enough to approach problem solving in a purely rational, objective manner. To be effective, it also requires addressing the inner dimension, that is, performing inner work to affect outer. And lastly, dialogic OD extends and amplifies the impact and relevance of diagnostic OD work, and this phenomenon was highlighted in a 2022 paper by Hastings and Schwartz called Leading Change Processes for Success, where they detail how diagnostic work followed by dialogic work actually resulted in greater overall success in the change effort than performing either diagnostic work or dialogic work alone. This is but one example of many different papers and books that have come out in recent years advocating or explaining how diagnostic work paired with dialogic work results in greater overall success. And so the question is, how can we integrate diagnostic and dialogic OD to form a more powerful, accretive, problem-solving methodology? Well, as it turns out, there is a method called hybrid OD, which is the subject of the ebook that I shared with you at the top of our episode today. Hybrid OD represents the emerging future of organization development where we integrate diagnostic, dialogic, and experiential OD methods, tools, and techniques to solve our most intractable organizational challenges. If you're interested in learning more about hybrid OD, you can visit henosispartners.com hybridod hybrid OD to learn about this emerging methodology. Well, that's all for this episode. I hope you found the content in this episode helpful. If you're watching on YouTube, please share your comments below. And if you like the video, hit the subscribe button and click the bell to get notified of all future weekly episodes. Also, don't forget to get your free resource If you're watching on YouTube, click the link below in the description, or you can visit henosispartners.com slash hybridod. Thanks again for tuning in, and we'll see you on the next episode.